Welcome to the Grad School Femme Touring Podcast. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez Vu, and I will be serving as your Femme Tour, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to get into graduate school. For the past 10 years, I've been helping undergraduate students get into top graduate programs in their field, and I'm really excited to share this information with you too. All right. We are recording. Welcome, everyone. I'm really excited today. I have another amazing guest. Um, and I am going to go ahead and get started by uh, sharing her bio. So today's topic is on perfectionism in grad school. And there's a little voice in the back of my head that's like wanting me to do things right right now as well. So it's a perfect topic for today, <laughs> perfectionism. Um, so our guest is Veronica Eyo, is that how you say your last mm -hmm. name? Eyo, yes? yeah. Great, Eyo. And she is a bilingual licensed clinical social worker in Los Angeles. She provides therapy for individuals and couples. She has a passion for working with mothers, new and seasoned and first-generation students. Awesome. She's also a recovering perfectionist and her experiences through motherhood and navigating the higher education system as a first-generation student made her aware of her perfectionistic tendencies and she is actively working on decreasing them for herself and also to provide tools for others to do the same, to live more fulfilling lives. Welcome, Veronica. So happy to have you. Thank you for having me on. I'm so glad to be able to talk about this. It's a big topic. It is a big topic. I'm not going to lie. I personally struggled with it. I continue to struggle with it. So I'm happy to have you um, on today. I would like to start, maybe if you can share a little bit more about yourself, your background, you know, anything that um, you'd feel comfortable sharing and also kind of how it relates to your experience navigating perfectionism. Okay, so y'all know I'm a social worker, so I'm a therapist, right? All about mental health and just the importance of it. And I always say part of what led me into the field is just my own experiences um, growing up. So I am a first generation Afro-Latina. Um, I was primarily raised by my mother. So um, a little bit about me, I'm biracial. My dad is Nigerian and my mother is Mexican. Um, and so I was very much raised in her culture and her um, uh, just uh, traditions and, and customs and things like that. Um, but since my parents were divorced, um, they got divorced when I was young. So that meant that as the older sister, I was uh, placed with a lot of responsibility. Oh, you know? I can uh, <laughs> share in that as well. <laughs> it's yeah. hard. It's a lot of work. So it was, and, you know, I actually didn't become aware of that uh, one about the term, even what a perfectionism was until I think I was in like my master's program. I was getting my social work degree and I had maybe thought like, yeah, I like things a certain way or like I definitely struggled with it. Um, but I didn't necessarily hear the term until I was getting my MSW. Um, and then I was like, oh, this is me. Um, I need things to be a certain way all the time. Like I need them to, um, or if they're not, the internal dialogue that I was having with myself was so bad. Um, you know, and I think people didn't necessarily see it on the outside because I do, you know, want to say like growing up, I wasn't necessarily encouraged to talk about how I felt on the inside. You just got to keep going, like, you know, just Same. keep doing that. And, mm -hmm. and it's hard, right? Because in the same way, it's like, I do want to keep going, but also I don't feel good. I don't feel good doing this all the time, right? And um, so 
you know, as I, you know, became a social worker and then I ended up going back um, to school to get my doctorate when, um, after I had my daughter. Um, so I got accepted while I, yes, timeline. I got accepted while I was uh, pregnant with her, just found out. And oh, wow. if there's many things of adding on another role is that you cannot do it all. Like you cannot do it all. Um, and even, you know, it's just, I had to do something about it because it was not sustainable. And, you know, I don't think I'm perfect anymore as uh, I like to define, you know, on like that I've like overcome it, but I definitely am more conscious of it. And I think that's a big part of the message of why I wanted to talk about, you know, this is because I think sometimes even as recovering perfectionists, like we still want things to be perfect, even though we don't want it to be perfect. If that kind of makes sense? Like we know it's a bad oh tendency, yes. but we want, we can get in that <laughs> loop and we can get into it. So I have to say that I'm like still in it. That loop. That, that yeah. still happens, you know, because I mean, part of it is, and not all people who are perfectionists came from, you know, background like that I'm describing, but there is this piece when you did have to grow up mm-hmm. sooner and when you had to have more responsibilities and if there wasn't necessarily a, an encouragement to talk about what you were going through because the adults in your life were not talking about what yeah. they had to go to, through, you know, like we just internalize yeah. um, a lot of these things. And so we have to name them. That's kind of like the first thing, let's name that it's happening so that we can start to fight them. So that's a little bit about me. <laughs> I have a feeling that a good number of my listeners, um, because a lot of them are first gen um, and they're mm-hmm. students of color, they're very, some of them are like high achieving, they probably have mm-hmm. these tendencies. So how would you, how would you know that you're a perfectionist? Like, what are some of the traits? You mentioned having certain internal dialogues, wanting things a certain way. Like, I, I can probably mm-hmm. predict what some of the traits are because I know I am. A, per, a perfect I don't know if I would even call myself recovering I think I'm still struggling with it but at least I'm <laughs> conscious of it and I go through that cycle that you mentioned or that loop yeah yeah you know and I think it looks different for everyone right so um I'll, I'll talk about a I hate using the word general but kind of like some of the common characteristics that I see right so I see definitely the negative self-talk right um when things don't go the necessarily the way that you want them to um, or how you had planned that they would go, right? Um, the high standards that you have for yourself and for others um, because people are flawed, we are flawed, they, you know, and people, especially other people out of your control when you find um, like feeling extremely irritable or to the point where you're looking at yourself like, why am I so mad about that this didn't go this way, right? Like group projects y'all were in oh. school group projects right <laughs> that's a struggle <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole episode but group <laughs> projects right when you're upset like upset because someone isn't holding you know and I will say someone not holding up their own end is its thing but like when let's say an emergency happens and they can't you know they can't come in you know I think of an example of um, or opposite, um, when you're trying to anticipate everything. Um, so for example, let's say you have a group project and you're like, okay, I got all these things planned and this may happen. So I'm going to plan to make that, oh you know, perfect. Yeah. Right. And that's not, not, not a good trait, you know, and, uh, you know, as I'm saying that I'm going to call myself out, you know, my daughter was born, um, my first semester in my doctorate program and I had a group project. And I was that person. I was that person like, okay, y'all. So I may go into labor. So 
if I go into labor, that means that I'm not here, but I will do all the work and I'll have all these pieces, but I just may not be able to talk about them. And I sent it all, like as if I could predict when my daughter's going to come. Like it sounds I did the same thing, prepping for my mat leave. <laughs> but do you see, it's like, <laughs> but you're going to have a baby. Like, yeah, you know, know, on this end, if that person was in my group, right? I'd be like, don't worry about it. Do what you can do. Right. And I did have people in my group that were like, it, it's okay. I feel like if there's a reason not to be here. It would be because of, you know, you gave birth, but we have those tendencies of wanting to leave things, you know, even to the point where you're exhausted, you know? Um, and, and I think, so some people that come in, so when I see clients that come in, they notice that it's, it can be either someone pointed it out. So for example, it got to a point that they didn't start something or they were supposed to, like I've had people, especially uh, students, where they're like, I had to, you know, do this paper or this huge project or this grant or these big things. And I just froze. Like it was like the tipping point of, of it. Like I just kept saying that I wanted it to be perfect and we procrastinate, right? Because we're like, I need it to be perfect. Right. And so, but procrastination is not good. I'm guilty of it too. Y'all. So not saying only procrastinate, but, but to the point where it's like, so many procrastinated events that you're just running on fumes. Right. And so, you know, I've had clients that have been like, someone told me like, is this even a thing? Because I'm getting things done. I'm crossing off my goals, but I'm just not happy. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just not. And then, you know, the question is like, what is happiness? Because I've always been at this trait. I've, I get praised, right. For, for doing all these things. And so it's reinforced, but we're not doing so well. We're not doing so hot. Yeah. So kind of like balancing that piece. I can imagine a lot of us that um, identify as perfectionists or recovering perfectionists also have struggled with people pleasing because so there's that external factor mm-hmm. too. Um, and then I think mm-hmm. you kind of tied into this, but I wanted to ask like maybe how perfectionism can come up in grad school. So you kind of started to hint at it with the procrastination, which is a big one in mm-hmm. grad school. Um, and then I think there's that element of people pleasing and there might even be an element of guilt, or at least for in my experience, I've, yeah. I've had that, that feeling of mm-hmm. guilt for either not doing things, not doing things a certain way or uh, constantly that negative self-talk of like nothing is ever good enough, especially in grad school when you receive a lot of, a lot of, um, what's the word? I'm like, criticism or yes. And we're in systems that, you know, I think we're, we're stepping in there as people of color, we're getting in there, but look, higher ed wasn't made with us in mind. Okay. Y'all. So we're already battling that piece. And then I think the, the piece that kind of ties into it in grad school is it can tie into imposter syndrome, right? I feeling like I didn't do it the way I should have done this, Mm -hmm. or I didn't put as much effort as it, as I should have done, or, um, feeling guilty because you procrastinated. And it's like, I'm gonna be found out that I don't belong here, right? Um, because I didn't do it perfectly. Um, or, and the thing is, is you never reach per- perfect, whatever that is, right? Like what, you know, um, even if you didn't procrastinate, you're gonna be changing something or doing these things. And so, um, you know, in grad school, I think it, it can show up. And again, like you said, that piece of like, it's being reinforced and it's being said like, Hey, you know, it's a good thing, but then we're walking around sleep deprived. Right. Or not really even enjoying our experience of why do we want to get here? Right. So a lot of the people that I see come to me after they've like completed this degree and they're like, look, I worked so hard 
And yet I, I kind of realized I didn't even pay attention, not that pay attention, but like you learned, but I didn't live. I didn't um, enjoy this time or really like, you know, when people pat me in the back to say like, hey, you did this. And it's like, I can't even tell you all these memories because I was hustling so hard. There's nothing wrong with the hustle, y'all. It's just like uh, learning to also not necessarily always be like keyed up or ready to like give our, our best all the time, you know, like that's also not sustainable. Yeah, the one thing that's helped me a lot, um, I'm sure it's true for you too, is with, I, 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 well, one thing is I wanted you to clarify like the difference between someone who's perfectionistic and someone who's a recovering perfectionist, because I think I'm closer to the recovering side. <laughs> and mm-hmm. what has helped for me has been becoming a mom. Not that I'm saying everybody mm-hmm. do this, but because you have very limited time, you have to learn to be as efficient as possible and you have to learn to be okay with what's good enough and not what's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you could share a little bit more about like, what's the difference? How do you know if you are um, a recovering perfectionist or recovered? Is there such a thing as someone who's like fully recovered from perfectionism? Because in my experience, I still struggle with it. And I'm just kind of learning tools to kind of combat it or to mm-hmm. kind of suppress, but like to manage it. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if there's a recovered. Yeah, so we're going to say <laughs> us who like the end goal and put in a nice little pretty bowl, bowl at the end. Like, I, I don't know about that piece. I, I think the reason that I use recovering is because you have to be aware of it, but aware that how it's negatively impacting you, right? So the example that I can think of is sometimes um, we have, well, I'll pick on myself, so I won't disclose anything. You know, like I, for a very long time, knew that I needed things in a right, you know, in a certain way. You know, we had to be on time all the time. We had to, you know, with group projects, I very much would take on this leadership role and like, you know, to the point that I was burning myself out, right? But I didn't think, I, I could have said that I like things to be perfect, but I didn't think it was an issue because, hey, I'm getting all these things done. Like I'm doing these things and, uh. It, it wasn't only, and I will say, yes, similar to you, like motherhood really came and humbled me <laughs> very much. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like trying but, to plan around being a mom or around having a baby. Uh-uh. Yes, 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 yes. And, and, and I think that piece that comes with being a mom, I'm not saying become parents, y'all, but it's that we become so conscious of the person that we're influencing. That's true. right. I, like, especially little people. Yeah. I'm not saying that us as adults, like us who were talking that we're not influencing each other. I think we do, but we give more credit to, you know, you can figure things out, you can work things out, but kids, like, especially little ones, we think like we want to give them such a healthy environment, such a good place um, because they don't necessarily have those tools yet. And so for the people who are maybe not parents, you don't have to wait until you become a parent or if you decide to become a parent, but it's I, very much the work that I will do in session is like, what would you tell little you, your inner child, yeah. your little person in you, you know, would you tell her like, why didn't you do this this way? You know, like, would you yell at her if, if it's a her, you know, like, probably not. Now, I will say maybe some of us did grow up in those environments where we were scolded for that, right? Oh, yeah. But um, we can acknowledge that that if we were scolded or if we were told to do things in this way oftentimes that's that was that adult's coping mechanism too right it wasn't a healthy one it wasn't a healthy one 
and we can acknowledge that it wasn't healthy. And now we can look at, okay, how would I have, would I have wished someone would have talked to me, you know? And so in session with me, we very much um, use the, this of our little people, like I call them little us, you know, mm-hmm. of like, how, how do we, how can we talk to each other? How can we talk to ourselves in this way that can really be beneficial, right? And that's really where the recovering piece comes from is acknowledging that, yes, it serves me well, but I am not going to enjoy my life, you know, if I'm always in this place. Because yeah. you, some of these traits are amazing, okay? Especially as first-gen students, like, let's call this out. We are breaking barriers and we're doing the work and that is amazing. But sometimes we can, ask people, are we happy? Are we, do we know when to not keep breaking barriers? Do we know when we can look around and be like, hey, I'm good, you know, like it's, so it's the balance is, I think you just become more aware, it becomes more psychic nature, right? So like, first step would be like, okay, you acknowledge that you're recovering, and you acknowledge that this is not good. And then you start integrating some different tools, they they still will happen, okay, I will still sometimes have bouts of like, we need to be here on time in this way and dressed in this way. And you know, but what I'm aware of is what's happening. I can often stop and say, what's happening for me? Like, mm-hmm. why is this coming up? Right. And, and it takes practice to kind of be aware of, of it. And then to be able to say like, will, if I do it in this way, is it going to benefit me? Or am I thinking, you know, am I perceiving um, that it, because of who am I trying to impress? Right. My mother-in-law coming over or, you know, um, something like that. So the recovering is just acknowledging and wanting to do something about it. Um, and then perfection is if you just call yourself that, then that's okay. You know, but maybe you're not wanting to do anything about that. Okay. And that's okay. If you don't want to, you know, just, that's okay. So, and, and some, you're saying there are definitely strengths to being perfectionistic and in, in some cases or in some parts of it, it might be okay. Yeah. It, it might be okay to, <laughs> to yeah. do certain things a certain way. I've been called yeah. a, um, very like type A <laughs> and some of my students mm-hmm. who see them see see me themselves in you or see themselves in, there uh-huh. you go see themselves in me uh also struggle with it they're like yeah I'm type A I like having things done a certain way and I think some, part of it is a lot of folks who um either grow up with a certain background or they're also like the the old elder sibling um, mm-hmm. So I, I can see a lot of kind of overlap there. Um, but then for students who maybe may be struggling a lot, maybe they it is getting in the way, maybe um, they are procrastinating or they find themselves just not really enjoying what they're doing because of such high standards. What would you recommend in terms of tools, in terms of strategies, things that they can try out um, to decrease those perfectionistic tendencies or at least to manage them a little bit better? Um, if it's not no longer serving you, one, if you have access to seek counseling, okay, I know not everyone can seek that. But if you're in school, and you have student health insurance, seek someone else um, to, for lack of a better word, call you out on on what's happening with you. Because I think sometimes we can get into this, I can do this myself, I can, you know, use these tools, and and I'll, it'll be better. And I'm not saying that you can't always, but sometimes we have blind spots to ourselves, right? And so if you're able to get a third party, a close friend who's able to be honest, something like that, I think that that can 
first be the, 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 first, the first part. The, the second piece is if you're into, if you're into meditation, right? I would, that would be a, like a practical tool that I would recommend. And it doesn't have to be long. And it doesn't mean that I want you like humming, like, you know, <laughs> cross-legged in nature. It's, it's more of the tendency to be able to sit with the feelings or emotions or thoughts that are coming up for you. Right. Because I think sometimes, um, we will procrastinate. That's going to happen, right? I bet even if you're outside of um, school, right, there's going to be things that we love doing. I love washing dishes. I never procrastinate washing dishes because that is my thing <laughs> that I love mine? to do. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love it. I, I love, love, love it. But if you ask me to clean the bathroom, right? Because I'm, I'm trying to pick examples that are not school-wise. You ask me to clean the bathroom, all of a sudden, I got all these things that I got to do, yeah. right? And it's not helping me because we do need mm -hmm. to have a clean bathroom, yes. yeah, right? So what I do is I be able to sit with, with meditation, being able to sit with, okay, yeah, this makes me uncomfortable. I just don't like getting on my knees to scrub a tub. It's just not what I like. It's not what I, you know, and so... It still needs to get done if you're in school. So if you're talking about students that have yeah. to do these projects or have to do these things and it's like, okay, can I break it down? You yes. know, can I, can I do just a small thing? Can I just clean the sink and then let me walk out? You know, um, can I it, just breaking it down and being able to sit with that? What is my tolerance of it? Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes setting of timers can be a, a way of, of doing that because it can kind of be like okay like I did my 15 minutes check you know yes. it wasn't too bad you know um it can be like another practical a practical tool about that um affirmations uh I think some people discount affirmations but I never to used to be a fan now I am but like when I, when I was younger I was like oh like affirmations those don't work it's overly positive and um uh, but now they work I noticed yes. sometimes they work. <laughs> you know, it's because it, it's it's hard to change that core belief in, inside you. Okay. Yeah. These are things like messages that we um, think about ourselves, especially being perfectionists. We are not even aware of where these messages came from that we had to be perfect. Oftentimes it's only through like going through counseling or, you know, your own work that you kind of do to call it out. So it makes sense that affirmations kind of seem like, well, this is silly. Like, why would I keep doing that? But the, the idea, belief of I have to be perfect came from somewhere. It's yeah. just you didn't, you weren't aware that it was being told to you. So affirmations are one, right? One that I recite to often and give to clients is to say, like, I am enough just as I am. I'm enough just as I am. Put that on a post-it, y'all put it while you're brushing your teeth, repeat it over and over. I am enough just as I am. Or if you acknowledge that your perfectionist tendencies have to do with people pleasing, is to say that I let go of the need for other people's approval. You know, and sometimes when you say those things, it's like, wow, I don't Art. believe it. I do need people's approval. <laughs> and and that's okay. Right. And that kind of ties into this ability to be able to sit with these uncomfortable emotions of like, why am I procrastinating? You know, what it, what is what is it that I need it to be perfect? Right. Like do sometimes when you're procrastinating, which is why I often I'll say, like, seek the help of, of someone outside of you. So someone can kind of say, like, hey, like, Veronica, you're procrastinating. 
Like, you know, whether it's therapy once a week or a friend being like, so what's happening? What is it that you're scared of, right? Let's identify what's there. What, what is, can, can we make it into like bite-sized pieces for you, right? Um, and then the, the last thing that um, kind of may not feel like a practical tool is at least if you're able to just go for a walk, like get out, right? Nothing, no podcast, no listening to music, y'all. Just, <laughs> okay? I'm sitting like, literally go get out. That. Cause you're like, I'm, I'm going to get out there and I'm going to, no, 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 don't do anything. I'm trying to make to my walk out. productive. <laughs> yes. I know, I know, I know. Perfectionists out there, I see you. But to just do, like to get out, 10 minutes, something, right? And then say, when I come back, I'm going to try, right? The thing is, is nothing is going, it, it's, it's a process. And when we can begin to, to accept that this is a process, these tendencies came up in me because of my life journey and my life experiences. And I may struggle with this, right? But just like I need to get out for walks or runs or eat healthy-ish, right? Um, or need a certain amount of hugs or affection, you know? Uh, I'm not always going to be perfect at it. But if I can just acknowledge that I just sometimes need to put in a little bit more work in these areas, it can be, it could be a little bit more manageable, right. Instead of it always having to be perfect. I feel like you've covered so much already. And I know you, you also yourself offer therapy services. So would you mind sharing kind of some of your services or do you know if, what, what kind of work you do with individuals or with couples or even um, how that relates to helping them with perfectionism, if that comes up? So um, I work with couples, uh, oh, let's backtrack. I work with individuals. Um, you know, I do uh, you know, kind of what you think about talk therapy, but through Zoom now, you know, because nice. uh, I'm not seeing clients in, in person yet. Um, I don't know when that'll be, y'all, but we'll see when that day comes. Um, and a lot of the time people don't come in because they're like, I'm a perfectionist. They come in because something happened, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, or not. I talk about that a lot on my, you know, Instagram. It's like, you don't need to come to therapy because something happened. Like you can come for a community or support. Um, that's something that also COVID really did for us, right? Yeah. It was kind of normalized that maybe I do need community and I need to talk to someone about some of these things when we're not able to do right so COVID for in my practice of of seeing especially first generation students or individuals but sometime between the ages of like I would say if I'd say a client age would be like 20s to 40s right is this a thing that we no longer could do the world shut down so we could no longer do and so for us that we're struggling with put our worth towards what we did right we struggled in yeah. 2020, myself included. Okay, I'm not <laughs> naming anyone, myself included. And so it was a good opportunity to slow down. So for individuals, you know, kind of, of being able to kind of acknowledge that. And as the world is opening up, I know that it's going to come. I, I do don't want to necessarily take off the spotlight from individual work of coming to talk to someone. Um, it doesn't have to be it's not, you know, I always like say it's not actually what people maybe think it is. Like you have to have had some traumatic event or, or, you know, it has to be all bad or all tears. Sometimes it's just a very skill building to kind of say like, hey, like, let me just learn these skills um, and try them out, right? Some simple like 
you know, kind of I said, like, go for a walk. You know, I've had clients that have been like, I didn't think a walk was going to be a thing. That's not very therapy like, mm -hmm. right? Thank you, you know, but I'm like, go, you know, the, it's okay, you know, and just to kind of, it's kind of like that where like you learn small skills that can really be helpful. And then with um, couples, some of the work that I see there is the expectation of mind reading comes up in couples, right? Yeah. Of like, <laughs> I like things a certain way, so you should like things a certain way. <laughs> it, I'm, I'm not calling anyone out myself, except myself, but yeah. it's what we expect, right? Or yeah. of um, in couples feeling burnt out because we're not asking for help because, because we like things to be yeah. perfect. We're the only ones, we have this belief that we're the only ones that can do this this way. And the reality is that's not sustainable. It's not, you know, doesn't mean, doesn't stop me from sometimes getting in that space. Okay. Calling myself out or others, but it's, how can I become aware of it to know, like, how is that impacting? How am I showing up in my, in my relationship with another person or in my work? If I'm individual, you know, things like that. So um, perfectionism comes up a lot, right? I, we do unfortunately live in a culture that values what we're doing mm -hmm. um, and very much Tries to, our worth can sometimes feel tied to that um and so mental health services kind of like trying to pull from that a little bit and be like you're not just what you do you know and or you're also not just one person right like in terms of identity right sometimes yeah. especially because I see mothers right and they're like as a mother I want to show up in this way and I have to be perfect in this way and I'm like you're not just the mother either that's not sustainable right so um you know, that's kind of uh, the work that I do, um, like, one-on-one -on -one or in couples. And then I'm also showing up on Instagram. So if anyone wants to see, like, free tips and stuff like that, I um, kind of do some of that. Because I think it's good sometimes just to become aware of where do we need additional help. And that doesn't mean I have to be your therapist. It could just be like, oh, hey, I struggle with this. You know, let me, you know, maybe seek out help or um you know, so just trying to share things like that, too. I've seen some of your posts and they're really handy. Um, I can certainly relate to a lot of them. Um, would you mind sharing what your Instagram handle is so that folks who want to um, add you can add you? Uh, yeah, it's uh, at Dr. Veronica Eo. Um, so just my name, uh, Veronica spelled traditionally. And my last name is really easy, E-Y-O. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of my way of one, giving back, but also because, yeah, we need to connect. We need to connect from social media. <laughs> so uh, if I can add one last little tip of if yes. what also what led me into kind of putting myself out in, in social media land um, is that COVID, right, took away our ability to be able to interact with people. And one of the things that I would often prompt clients to do to see community is in, in pages such as mine in terms of like, oh, this is a skill that I could use. And oftentimes someone will write a comment like, oh, yeah, this is so handy. I love this. Right. And like maybe being bold and kind of sometimes pushing that reply button and be like me too. All right. And developing community. I know that that's not perfect, you guys, but uh that's what we had to do during COVID times. And it really has of the clients that have kind of, it doesn't have to be only my page. There's a lot of pages out there, y'all, that kind of has similar things where it's an ability to acknowledge that other people are also struggling in, mm -hmm. in some of these things too. And um, it can help to kind of build community and acknowledge that you're not the only one and um, maybe make you feel a little bit less scary or 
uh, tough to kind of handle those things. So just wanted to share that piece too. You know, thank you so much for, for saying that because I mean, I, I host this podcast and people come to me for advice all the time and I still struggle. Like I still struggle with reaching out. I still struggle with hitting that reply button. Like there's still that introverted part of me. That's like, ah, I don't want to, it's too much. It's overwhelming, but it's actually a good reminder because, um, you know, for some, sometimes like people stray away from social media it, myself included because it can feel like too much or toxic in some ways. <laughs> But there's also ways I'm learning just from you and others who are on social media providing really great content, that it is a community building tool if you implement it in that way, if you like curate it in, in such a way. And so I think that's that's really helpful. You know, we wouldn't be having this conversation if you hadn't hit that button and you hadn't like yeah. sent me a message. Yeah. So that's great. Yeah. Um, I want to thank you so much for your time. I I definitely, I gained a lot personally from just hearing you speak. I'm sure my listeners will as well. And um, again, everybody follow her on IG <laughs> so that we can all keep learning. Thank you. And maybe some of them will reach out to you and want to work with you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. It's definitely, we got to keep buying on on this uh, grad school and for after life because yeah. it's work. So, you know, I'm glad that we've been able to connect. Yes, thank you. Thanks so much for joining me in the Grad School Fem Touring Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please rate this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you tune in. You can also support the podcast by donating to my Patreon page, Anchor page, or Venmo account, which is at Grad School Fem Touring. If you have questions or episode topics, you can contact me by sending me a DM on Instagram, sending me an email to gradschoolfemtouring at gmail.com, sending me a voice message on Anchor, or sending me a message via my personal website at eventmartinezvu.com. Until next time. <laughs>